is Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, KOTO listeners. You are tuned in to Off the Record. I am Julia Caulfield from the news team. I'm your host for this evening, and we are talking local government. We have three folks in studio who know a lot about that. Um, They are the folks kind of behind the scenes of our three large municipal governments here in San Miguel County. We have Paul Weiser, the town manager of Mountain Village. Hi, Julia. Good evening. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. We have Scott Robson, the town manager of Telluride. Hi there. Hello. And we have James Van Hooser, who is the assistant manager for San Miguel County. Thanks for being here. Hello, Coda listeners. Hello, Julia. Happy to be here. Um, so, James, we were saying that we have to start off talking with you because we just heard your voice as the, the dulcet tones of our intro. How'd you get that gig? Great question. Um, you prepped me that this was going to happen, and... Um, I have no memory of recording that. <laughs> I um, I had a biweekly Sunday radio show on Kodo from 2014 to 2016, and I wonder if Ben just walked in at some point and said, hey, you kind of have a radio voice. Would you say these words in this order? Um, but, yeah, I truly have no memory of recording the off-the-record um, whatever. I didn't know you had a show. How did I not know this? I it was before your time, I, know, I guess. It was. I don't know. It, yeah. What was your show? It was called The Radio, and um, <laughs> I played a lot of show tunes. Um, I actually got a call one day uh, from a gentleman who was at, at work. I was playing, like, I think a lot of Hamilton mm-hmm. at the time, and he's like, It was that era. It was that yeah. era, the Hamilton era uh, of show tunes. And he was like, Bro, I am at work, stuck here, like, having to have Kodo on all day. <laughs> Can you please play anything else i am dying um but some people liked it so i love that he was forced to listen to koto at work <laughs> he was just literally glued on to the speakers you cannot change it um anyway we digress we're here talking local government this evening as i said so i would love to hear first big question maybe hard question we'll find out what is your job like what do y'all do for these local governments in your managerial positions? I have a plan at 8 o'clock every day for how the day is going to go, and by 8.15, it is completely out the window. That's not a joke. <laughs> and, that's just, and then you just And then I just go with the flow, it. yeah. Uh, so I view my job as twofold, to provide advice and guidance to council to help them make the best decisions possible ba- based on input from myself and staff. And then I think secondarily, the part that no one sees is to uh, assist staff in serving this great community. And this community is a little bit different in that every town manager and uh, local government employee has to make sure that the uh, streets are clean and the sidewalks are paved and all of that normal stuff. But in addition here, we have the added responsibility of making sure that every day is a spectacular experience for the resident, second homeowner and visitor. And it's incumbent upon us to make sure that happens. Well, that's a uh, really good description. Uh, Scott, I'm going to you pull your mic a little bit closer yeah, to you. Yeah, you bet. That, that's a great description uh, of our job, at least at the at the town manager level. We all probably have 
really similar job description if you were to read it on paper, but every community has a different personality and set of needs. Um, a lot of people really don't know what a town manager does though, and uh, sometimes I try to equate it to what people hear more of, which is say on the private business side, you would have a, a CEO of a, a company and you would have a board of directors. And, and here in Telluride, our um, town council, our elected officials are our board of directors and uh, the closest thing to a CEO is probably the town manager that is just overseeing all your departments, oversight of the, the budget, and uh, make sure, as uh, Paul said, at the end of the day, just the operations of your day-to-day -day, uh, local government are working well. And, uh, you know, I think when it comes to the personality uh, of each community, um, our kind of unwritten job is just to be out there in the community and hear what's going on and take a temp temperature of the needs of your, your, uh, your citizens and relay those back to your elected officials, right? So, um, and it's, it is a little different here than the town up the hill or down the valley, whatever it might be. Um, I'm going to pause. This is such an engaging show already that we have a caller. So I'm going to have you pop your headphones on. We're going to bring this person up on the air. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm not sure if you're talking to me. I just uh, <laughs> not really sure how this works. So. Yeah. Did you have a Did you have a question for um, our managers for the program, or did you need to talk about something else? I really was thinking that this was just an opportunity to listen to the conversation. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks for calling. All right. Quiet with a little bit of feedback. <laughs> um, I did forget to say that, though. This is a call-in program. So if you do have a question for any of these folks in studio who are very knowledgeable about um, the governments that they work with and also the other ones, I'm sure, um, give us a call, 970-728-4333. We have another call that we're going to try, see if this one works. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hi, um, I'm going to try to get away from the feedback. There you go. Um, so our town managers, as you speak of, have been there for about five minutes. I've lived here for 30 years. And um, they don't seem to understand that the people from Shandoka are not a concept. We are people. And we are trying to raise our families and our children here. And we are not a concept of affordable housing. What we are is real people. And they need to consider that. Thanks for your call. Hey, this is Scott. You know, I live down in that neighborhood uh, right in Chandoka. So it's, uh, it is a very real place. Um, it's where most of our citizens live and it's uh, it's it's such an important uh, I think pocket of our demographic to, to listen to their their needs certainly within the town of Telluride like the county and, and uh, Mountain Village affordable housing um, livable um, you know just a, a great uh, livable lifestyle a place that you can raise a family is incredibly important to the policies and the budgets that we're trying to adopt so I hear you uh, I live down that in that neighborhood and love it but uh it is you know a lot of the heart and soul of what's going on in telluride's down there 
Yeah. Well, and I do, James, we're going to get to you because I want to hear what you have to say. Um, but I think I definitely, I would love to touch back on that. You know, Paul, as you were saying, the the element, the balance of working in these governments of both the uh, responsibility that you have to the residents who live here, but then also maybe the interesting dynamic of a responsibility, as you said, that you see for um, folks who maybe live here part-time or for visitors and just, you know, kind of what that looks like as a, um, I guess, kind of like what is the responsibility of government and a community to not necessarily cater towards is not the word that I'm looking for, but to to take into account the fact that um, folks who visit here or, or live here part-time are part of the people that you're trying to serve as well. Yeah, I think it would be irresponsible to not acknowledge the fact that this community exists in large part because it is a world-class destination that second homeowners and visitors come to for a reason. And it is that destination that helps make this community a sustainable enterprise. That said, there is a constant balancing act that has to go on to meet the needs of the ski company or uh, the resort, generally speaking, and the community that really does make this place run. And we really do have to focus on the fact that Telluride or Mountain Village or the Telluride region as a whole wouldn't be the same but for the people who actually live and work here. And so as much as we need to make sure that our economy is able to flourish and function by virtue of having visitors here, we also need to make sure that we have a vibrant, long-term, full-time resident community that continues to have a heart and soul. Because if that heart and soul leaves, I don't think that the tourist economy remains. Anything else folks would like to add? Otherwise, we're going to send it over to James of what do you do? Whenever anyone asks, I my stock answer is whatever needs doing. Um, you know, yesterday it was a burst pipe in the basement of the historic uh, San Miguel County Courthouse, uh, as well as uh, sitting on an interview committee for uh, updating the Telluride Regional Area Master Plan, um, reviewing... Uh, some code stuff and just generally supporting staff i think that that's come up in all three um answers that's kind of i think the most important job of a in the manager managerial track area is just making sure that the incredible folks who work for these incredible organizations uh, have the support they need to do their jobs and speaking of those folks don't get enough recognition or credit in my mind i think that a lot of times the three of us probably have council or the board say thank you for your hard work what a great idea but the truth is that those that hard work and those great ideas are a group effort and uh, the folks behind it really don't get enough recognition so to the extent they're listening right now <laughs> thank you um, I definitely want to dive in on you know topics that we've already touched on so far but I would also love to hear you know I feel like you've all maybe insinuated to it. It's a hard job. You have a lot of plates spinning all the time in, in the worlds that you exist in. What brought you to, to working in this field? I mean, Paul, I know that you were the town attorney for Mountain Village before you stepped into this role. You knew what you were getting into and you still said, sure. Um, you know, what brought you to this work? Why do you do it? Well, that's a great question. We probably all have different um, academic backgrounds. I would I would guess mine came out of kind of design, architecture, planning um, at CU Boulder, and I found myself right out of college in in uh, local government up in uh, Ski Town, Winter Park, and um, 
you know, you just find different niches within local government and feel like you're having, at least for me, um, a really tangible way to make a positive impact on your local community that you live in. And there are not that many roles that I've uh, thought about or come across where you really have tangible impact on your community um, in the way that you can when you're in local government. Um, and so, uh, I don't know, my, my parents were teachers. Um, there's always been some, um, uh, you know, track of trying to maybe be a part of your community and in what you do professionally. So that's where I got started and uh, I've moved away from it uh, for a short time. Uh, to, to run a couple different nonprofits, which was super rewarding and, and interesting. But I did come back to local government because, uh, yeah, we just have such an incredible state, incredible mountain towns in particular. That's been my draw lately. And, um, and a chance to work and live in that community uh, is, is a huge appeal for, for me. Uh, yeah, I... Um Scott said it well. I, I, local government, for me, is a place where you can see the fruits of your labor. You can see the impact that you're having. And I like to help people, and I feel like this is a place I can do that. And even more than local government specifically, I would say small town local government. You can really get, you can see the full picture for better and ill, depending on how well you're doing. But um, you know, I've worked, I've worked for Travis County and. Uh, Austin, Texas, huge county. I've worked for a city and county of Denver, and those are very important, you know, as well. But you feel, I at least felt more like a cog in a machine than working for, I had previous experience working for a town of Telluride in the planning department. Um, shout out to Michelle Haynes, who hired me uh, and uh, brought me out here a decade ago. But working, whether it's working for the village or the town or San Miguel County, they're small enough organizations to where you can really see your impact and that's something I treasure and value about this form of public service. As you mentioned, I was the town attorney for Mountain Village prior to becoming the town manager and in that role I was actually a partner at a law firm based out of Aspen and so I think by all objective measures I had a pretty good gig going. Uh, I was doing a lot of public law work, either public finance or being the local government attorney, which satisfied a lot of the things that Scott and James have touched on. But at a certain point, I realized that the attorney has a very defined role and probably I was probably doing a little bit more than what the town attorney should be doing <laughs> at some points. Um, but I really wanted to get into the process of driving the decision making and really being in the day to day with one organization. And I'm really glad that I made the decision that I did, because I think this job and the job that these guys have truly are the best jobs in the state. Yeah, um, we ha Ooh, we have someone calling. Headphones on. Hi, you're live on Coda. And if you can step away from your radio, that would be beautiful. I just turned it off. Uh, just a quick question for Paul before I've got my media one. Um, I presume you're the son of D. Weiser. He showed up here and um, doing some work in the county on uh, uh, some recent bond issues. He's um, a very prominent uh, bond attorney public bond attorney in uh, Denver. You're his son? I am. Yes. Uh, okay, so um, what I'd like to get into is some of the functionality of our regional operation. Um, the gondola is certainly a big one. Um, you know, there's a group of Mountain Village uh, Meadows residents 
that are saying TMVOA, who's the lead on that project, is actually being run by Kelsky. But the, the one I'd, I'd like to dial in on is the wastewater program. Um, Paul Root has left, and I believe, uh, who's the public works director for the town of Telluride lead agency. Um, he has right. suggested just, uh, that we create a regional transportation organization. And I believe Joyce has resigned as well, who's the, the lead uh, wastewater person. And, you know, how do we create those, that clear organization on a regional basis if it's not a, a, a regional wastewater utility, which is a pretty standard thing? Thank you. Thanks for your question. Uh, yeah, that's you know that's probably a level of detail that you know we could we could dive into in some some fun staff meetings here uh, coming up. But I think uh, to the gentleman uh, caller's point, there is a regionality um, that is important around a lot of what we do, including wastewater. Um, including uh, replacement of the uh, gondola. And so there, I think with uh, the three of us, obviously Mike Bordonia at the uh, county manager level, I think we've uh, gotten off to a fantastic start uh, with uh, myself being the newest, just three months into uh, town of Telluride position here where we, we definitely have established relationships already where we're talking about regional partnerships on uh, you know I think the really key um, issues of the day that's that's an important first step that we acknowledge that we don't get any of this done without Mountain Village, San Miguel County and, and Telluride working together. Wastewater is a really critical one coming up here where we do have some um, some significant uh, wastewater treatment plant expansion and improvements that we're gonna have to work on together but um, that's the takeaway is we will be working on this together it will be collaborative i don't think that's a um, if but just how we do it yeah and i guess i would add that on paper there are agreements out there that would suggest that perhaps this isn't as regional as you would traditionally imagine this particular arrangement to be that said i couldn't be more pleased with scott coming on board because we i truly feel that we now have that regionality and those uh, conversations going on between the various governmental entities who are impacted by the wastewater treatment plant specifically. And so I really thank Scott for uh, being willing to be a partner in that. And so where, when it comes to wastewater treatment plant, it is, is one of those like maybe less exciting on the you know surface level, but impressively important when you think about it. Um, we know that we need either major um, upgrades, expansion of the wastewater treatment plant, or a whole new facility altogether. Um, where are we in that process of like what that will look like? Well, um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to say that um, the town's gone through an RFP process already. We've, we've got a, a preliminary um, design already in, in place that both of our public works directors have, have sat around the table with us on. Um, it's not certainly a replacement, but it is a major, major refinement and some expansion to meet new state um, water regs and just you know growing need between um, you know from a population standpoint. So we've got um, preliminary plans in place. I think now between our two mayors, between Mountain Village and, and the town of, uh, we'll be uh, sitting down and really um, I think ramping up discussions around what our what our financing, what our um, 
you know, finance options are, how we're going to uh, fund this over the next handful of years. It's not a new discussion, so it's not like we're starting from ground zero. But I think that's my sense, uh, is that we're really now getting into the, the weeds around um, the financing of this critical project for the community. Yeah, and I think that one of the challenges is not so much how do we finance it, because I think that there are a number of options out there, but it's not as if no one's ever tried to solve this problem before. That said, this community does have a lot of big ticket items coming up on the horizon, um, intentionally or not, almost exactly the same time. And so I think that we need to be really proactive in having a conversation with the community about how important these priorities are to the functioning of the region as a whole and making sure that we have buy-in from a, you know, a, a large portion of our community. We have another call coming in. Y'all are popular. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hey, good evening, thank you. Hi, I, I just had a, a couple of quick questions. Um, so I'm, I'm calling, uh, I heard one of you say earlier about managers functioning as the CEO and the various councils being your board of directors, which seems like a pretty good analogy. I'm just wondering how you guys feel about at what point is it appropriate for town staff to be running things, um, you know, taking matters into their own hands? And, for example, I, I would use the recent um, approval of the Ridge development as a perfect example where the staff really orchestrated that entire thing. And I watched as, you know, the, the various councils and commissioners were strongly directed and often rep reprimanded if they didn't agree with the staff. And I was just wondering how you guys feel. Like, at what point is it appropriate for the staff to be running the show? And secondly, the other question is, as it relates to the county, you know, is it really appropriate for the county to develop a zone district, which prevents the public from weighing in in any manner, which is what recently happened? So I'll listen to your answer, and I appreciate you taking the call. Thank you. Thanks for your call. I mean, uh, this is Scott. I can maybe I'll take a crack at the first question. Um, staff running the show. I mean, I, I, I think that's um, that would probably be a, a, a stretch in uh, any organization. At the end of the day, uh, if you've got good leadership, and and certainly when we look at a the project that the caller was referencing, um, we we had our elected officials. By a great majority, vote to move that particular project forward. As as town managers or, or county managers, it's our job to implement what our uh, elected officials um, want to see move forward, and that that happens to be one where our elected officials would like to see that move move forward. So we will work hard on that, and we will work really hard on uh, engaging the public around that particular project. Uh, but you know, uh, staff should always be bringing good ideas, bad ideas, and everything in between um, up to the town manager and to our elected officials. That's what we push our staffs to do. Um, come up with those ideas. Push us on on um, things that need to get done that we're not seeing from our view. Um, so I give staff credit who, uh, who, who really is um, initiative in, in, in their manner, uh, if you will. But at the end of the day, um, nothing is moving forward unless it um, you know, has a discussion through the town manager's office and ultimately through our mayor and elected uh, officials. So that's just, that's the structure and it's, uh, 
and you know, 99% of the time it, it works really well. And uh, that's just my perspective. Yeah, I mean, touching on that a little bit, you, you did just kind of speak to it, but when you think about the way that a, a government or, yeah, I mean, I guess you could still use a business analogy with a board of directors, but um, a government um, setup, you have staff who are experts in theory in their field who um, are then are reporting to a town council who or a, a board of county commissioners who are elected positions were chosen by the people but have varying levels of expertise on any given um, subject matter you know what is the um, what is the the dynamic or how do you see the dynamic of staff being the people who like in theory know know what they're talking about compared to the folks who are then elected by the public to you know really be making those decisions yeah i mean in some ways i think it's wildly unfair to the new council member who is passionate about their community decides to make the sacrifice and it really is a sacrifice in terms of their time and sometimes their ego to run for office and then all of a sudden be put up on that dais and be expected to weigh in on a wide variety of matters that realistically they don't have, shouldn't be expected at least to have the capacity to make really informed decisions on on their own. And so they really do need to rely on staff to provide that background, provide those memos, provide the framework for making a decision. And I've dealt with literally hundreds of local governments and I've seen plenty of examples of people who have really well-intentioned and big ideas about how they're going to change how local government works and that is really a great thing but then six months later once they've been in the role and they've been behind that uh, dais for a couple of meetings they realize that the way that they were conceiving of how local government operates and how uh, it actually functions on a day-to-day basis is much different than the way they initially conceptualized it. And you know, some of those big ideas maybe aren't going to be what they pursue at the end of the day after their perhaps eight years in office. Um, but it, it really is because of the dedicated staff that are part of all these communities that really provide that expertise. And so to say that uh, you, the new person, or you who have been here for eight years should be able to have the answer for every problem that our community faces, I think, is unrealistic. And we really do need that staff in place to guide those decision-making processes. James, I'm going to go to you whether you want to add something on that note, or also um, we had a caller talking about the community housing zone district, which is part of the um, Diamond Ridge development um, that... San Miguel County passed this or created this zone district what co- close to a year ago at this point I guess we're getting closer to fall than maybe we want to admit um, <laughs> that, that part is true for sure <laughs> um, that allows higher density um, development housing development um, on s- parcels of land that are in this zone district can you talk a little bit about um, what that process was like to create this zone district and then what it means and maybe how it relates to Diamond Ridge. That's a lot. Go. I will do my best. Uh, thank you, Julia. And Todd, thanks for the call. I always appreciate your perspective and you ask good and hard questions. Um, I was was not here during the creation of the Community Housing Zone District, but as Julia alluded to, that is a process that would have started about a year ago right now and was adopted at the end of that district was adopted at the end of 2021 after dozens of public meetings and discussions with the uh, County Planning Commission as well as the BOCC um, with lots of public input um, which 
and I'm not going to try and quote any of the specific district standards without my land use code in front of me, but essentially it, you know, it is a higher density zone district is presuming most, if not all of the development is dedicated towards affordable housing. Um, and it was, uh, an exciting zone district to an exciting tool the to be able to use uh, within the R1 uh, school district boundaries of the county. So speaking then to, um, and this is probably more for James and Scott as participants in the um, Diamond Ridge development, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who felt that this new zone district was created, the very first project that was part of it was this huge housing development or the possibility of this huge housing development up by the airport, which um, a lot of people have strong feelings about as to whether it should or should not go forward. Um, you know, so I would, I would love to hear kind of how this zone district fits into that and, you know, you know w what it does mean for these governments who to some, it might seem like created a high-density zone district specifically for one project that they wanted to move forward with. Sure. Um, I can say that was specifically not the goal. The zone district has, like I said, it been in process for the better part of a year. And I know the commissioners had um, ideas of, you know, it was designed to be able to be used in a bunch of different areas. Uh, I'm specifically doing a feasibility study on six county-owned parcels uh, throughout uh, the region, uh, including our Pathfinder gravel pit. That could be a place that the Community Housing Zone District is applied to in the future. It's also designed to where if someone, if a private landowner wanted to rezone one acre of their property, assuming they can provide adequate water and sewer uh, services, which is again written specifically into the district, that they could build some afford, you know, get a little more density, build some affordable units. It really was designed um, to be applied wherever appropriate. Uh, again, uh, those services being a pretty key part of it. I want to touch. The caller uh, said, you know, the approval of the Diamond Ridge, and I. This is splitting hairs and planner speak, but I want to be really clear with our listening audience. What was approved was the rezoning of the uh, Diamond Ridge parcels. There is no site-specific development plan at this time for the ridge. Um, there, you won't will not expect to see houses popping up tomorrow. Um, Scott, do you have anything else to add on that specifically? Well, I, I think a, <clears throat> a couple things. Uh, come to mind. I, I too got here uh, not so long ago um, after the, the rezoning took place. I, I think the rezoning and the purchase of that parcel represents an opportunity for the community to, to now have a really deep conversation around uh, feasibility and design and things along those lines. The, the zone district it itself is uh, certainly not unique to San Miguel. I mean, the nuances of it are, but you see these types of zone districts um, being created in counties around Colorado and, and, and the U.S. West um, during this particular time in history where we're having real housing crisis, particularly in, in small towns. Um, even at the urging of our, our governor, you see a lot of these policies and the funding behind it moving forward. So it's not like this is a, uh, just a fresh idea that was crafted here in San Miguel County. This is very much a wave of um, this 
point in history and in uh, mountain towns in particular. So, um, I, I, you know, I think uh, all of our jobs around here uh, on the mic tonight is to, again, um, make sure that we're helping our elected officials craft really good uh, public process so that we can have really um, good, um, again, feasibility and um, hopefully down the road, really world-class design that would go into a, a place like this that might not be as big as people think, um, but absolutely should be um, world-class in its, in its nature. Um, when it moves forward. So that, that's my perspective. Again, I, I think it's really important to understand that this is not unique to San Miguel County. This is something at the urging of leadership across uh, the state and U.S. is um, a new zone dr district that's giving new opportunity for some really important discussion. We have another call. Although maybe I just lost them. Yes, okay, caller, <laughs> call back. We'll get you on the air. You know, but I think that Part of um, what, oh, okay, I'm gonna hold my question. Here we go. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hi, I'm glad I got through. Yes, do you have a question? Yes, I do. Um, well, I just wanted to share, I guess, my um, a little commentary, more, more than a question. Go for it. Okay, awesome. Um, so, I wanted to say thank you to everybody for their efforts to provide affordable housing because it is a serious need for our community and we all agree on that. I also wanna make sure that um, we are aware of the fact that, well, you're saying I'm live, but I'm hearing other things, so I'm a little confused, I guess. If, if Should I go outside now? Yeah, if you're listening on streaming, you might be getting some um, delay. After the fact situation. Yes. Yep. Sorry, I'm sorry about that. No, you're all good. So I just want to say that we all agree we need affordable housing, and I really appreciate everybody's efforts in making that happen. But as someone who has lived on the mesas in the area and has spent time up there, I want to just point out that I think that affordable housing would be built close to town and within the confines of town, in the boundaries of town, because I think that if you build up on any of the mesas affordable housing, it will cause a traffic problem and it will disturb the wildlife. And I really appreciate hearing everybody's resumes and talking about the tangible impact that you want to make in our town in this area, but I question how long some of you have been in the area. And I think it's really important to listen to some of the local elders who have lived here a long time. And I appreciate that Chris Holstrom is, I was very surprised that Chris agreed to this. I've known Chris for many years. And I know there's a lot of locals who do not support building on the Mesa and do not support urban sprawl. We are seven hours, five to seven hours from any major airport. And the reason people come here is because we don't have urban sprawl like Breckenridge, Vail, Aspen, and the other places do. What you are suggesting is urban sprawl. And, what he, and it would be great for all of your resumes to build urban sprawl here, and I understand that. However, I hope that you all spend time and talk to the local people at large amounts of density. Thanks. Because it's gonna have a very negative impact and we should use the people should be able to walk to work 
you know, we could build another Shandoka type unit um, out in the Pearl property right there next to town, our old landing zone for paragliding pilots. There's also elk habitat and all kinds of wildlife that live on the mesas around here. So I would really appreciate it if you could keep your urban sprawl to the town boundaries. And I know a lot of locals who agree with me. And you also have mentioned that you just put through in the normal structure, but it's my understanding that you guys fast-tracked this uh, proposed 785 homes on a mesa that could possibly bring 2,100 people up to local mesas. And I want to ask you to please listen to the local people and um, make sure that you communicate with us and make enough of space to listen to the locals because I understand that it's good for all of your resumes and I'm sitting here listening to all of you just stroke each other's egos about how awesome you all are while I don't think many of you have actually spent time in these places or have even been in this valley for very long. Thanks for your call. That's all I have to say right now. Thanks for your call. All right. Well, I'm not sure if there's a question there. Um, I've been here three months, so I, I don't think we have to debate that. Um, and uh, I'm not sure that the listener was call listening to the first half of the, the show. But um, I think as we all described our, our passion for um, working for local government, certainly urban sprawl would be uh, something that we've all tried to really work hard to avoid and why we're in the current jobs we're, we're in is actually to avoid that kind of um, development that has not been necessarily kind to Colorado or the West, frankly. So um, again, there might be a little disconnect from what we're saying to what she heard, but I, I think we're, um, I, I can't speak for everybody, but you know, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure these other two gentlemen are also keen to really hear the locals' voice um, as louder, louder than anyone out there. The, the, the elders in any local town, particularly Telluride, are, incre are incredibly important to decision-making. I, I know for our elected officials, um, I know for us at, at the staff level, we hear far more um, from, our, from our locals and those that have been here a long time than anybody else, frankly. And so, uh, again, we're, we're not building policy at our, our level, but we are working really hard to implement what the elected officials um, would like to get done, and um, they're being elected by the community. So it's a, it's a really challenging role, as you can uh, as you can imagine and get a sense of from that last caller. Uh, I think even when you're working towards a particular goal, sometimes it's it's hard to uh, uh, communicate to parts of the community that, uh, that you actually are hearing them. Yeah, and I obviously don't have a lot to do with what's going on uh, over on Diamond Ridge, but from Mountain Village's perspective, I guess I would push back on the notion that longtime locals or even residents who haven't been here that long, who I think in my mind are just as valuable and their voices are just as important, uh, that those voices aren't being heard. I would point to two examples within Mountain Village, one being our comprehensive plan amendment process that's going on right now. Um, the first draft of the amendment came out with a significant increase in hotbeds throughout our community or proposed hotbeds throughout our community. And uh, now that hotbed number has been drastically reduced directly in response to the comments from our local community 
The only hotbeds that are now envisioned are the Lot 161CR, which is known as the Four Seasons, Lot 109, which is known as the Six Senses. Both of those have applications in front of us. Uh, and then I think as it's currently drafted, there's a potential for a minor expansion of the peaks. And so those are the only now hotels that are envisioned uh, in Mountain Village in the near term. Uh, and that is a drastic change from the literally almost a thousand hotbeds that were initially proposed in the comp plan. And that is directly the result of community input. The second example I would point to is lot 644 in the Meadows, which is owned by the town. There was an initial proposal about a year ago to have 106 units uh, be put over in that area. When the t town issued an RFP, that number was reduced from 106 to 41. And now that the application is coming through, I believe we're now at 30. And again, those reductions were direct results of community input. And so I would say that not only does staff, but specifically council, who's responsible for making these decisions, really do truly value the input that they receive. And I think are responsive to it when that response is done in a responsible way. You know, I think some of the calls that we've gotten um, this evening, and I think it in general is kind of a challenge of people live really busy lives, especially here. People are working three, five, countless numbers of jobs. And it is a very, you know, Paul, as you've spoken to, as you've all spoken to um, an engaged community who wants to be involved, wants to make their thoughts and opinions known on things. But it, that can also be difficult, you know, when government meetings are held during the day or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, how do, like, how should people, how are people supposed to, when you have all these things going on, how are you supposed to get involved and like know what's happening so it doesn't feel like um, things are getting kind of pushed through or moved through without any input from the community? Because that happened, you know, people have that feeling sometimes of like, all of a sudden, this thing was passed, this zone district was created, whatever it might be, and no one had the opportunity to share their opinion about it. It's a tough challenge. I mean, I recently had a comment from somebody who actually is really well informed, suggesting that we were communicating too much information, and that we had too many emails going out explaining too much, and therefore people, you know, it was unfair for people to get through all those emails. And I, you know, on one hand, I'm kind of surprised by that because it seems like being clear and communicating as much as possible is a good thing to do. But I also empathize with the notion that all of our inboxes are more full than we would prefer. And one more email probably isn't going to get read. And so maybe Mountain Village does need to be a little bit more judicious in the way it's disseminating information. But I do think I'd rather get caught trying than not trying at all. I'd say from the town of Telluride's perspective, um, we certainly uh, would like to do uh, more frequent communication around, you know, some of our elected officials' decisions and, and processes. Uh, I think we've begun to up our game just in regards to the volume and quality of communications out to the public in different forums. But everything from, you know, tuning into to Kodo to just keep an eye out on, on uh, the town website, um, to just being in the mix around town. They're just different layers and uh, different ways that people absorb uh, information. And so I think all of us as local governments have uh, just, it's an ongoing work product to try to um, populate those different levels of um, uh, communication uh, as much as possible and, and refine uh, you know, from social media to radio to, uh, to print um, how we get the word out. But I think the uh, 
Telluride is exceptionally engaged, and, and even with that, it, it is hard for a, a lot of us to get get your news. Um, I'm the same. If I'm not if I'm not in it, um, it really takes effort because uh, it's not going to land in your lap. It does take a little bit of effort, but I think it's incumbent on local government to um, just provide information at as many diverse levels as possible. Piggyback on that, we need to meet people where they are. Um, thinking specifically of an example, last month the BOCC had their meeting out in Egner uh, where internet is spotty and um, the residents were saying, how are we supposed to learn about things when we don't have a newspaper out here anymore and um, many of them are not not connected online. So we're, you know, we're doing good old fashioned poster board you know uh we've got the water dock you know we are setting up a at the post office you know we're setting up um bulletin boards you know um and that's what that community needs uh down on the east end i think we need paul i'm jealous uh, i've never heard uh, <laughs> uh, hearing too much well, uh, from excellent public information from the governments and that's and that's another thing you know the both the towns have um new-ish PIO um, departments and the county has public health specific PIO and we're working on a more comprehensive um, communications plan but from my perspective there is no such thing as too much communication to the public um, to the constituents that think that's part of the reason that you've got the three of us in the room right here right now as well yeah and two other things i guess i would compliment Kodo and the daily planet i think they do a good job of catching all of the big items that are coming through so thank you for doing that and then i don't have a solution to this but i would just observe that local government in general is a little odd to me and that we have our elected representatives up there debating issues but then we expect and not just you know mountain village Telluride or san miguel you know all local governments expect that people come at a certain time to stand up in front of their elected officials and in front of their peers to articulate a view that they feel passionately about. Uh, and that's the only way that perhaps they're going to be heard. And there's a very small subset of people who feel comfortable doing that. And so unintentionally, we end up excluding a lot of people from the process. And yes, there's written comment, but that in and of itself takes time. And so again, I don't have a solution to this. It's just an observation that the system is set up in a little bit of an odd way to engender broad community input. Do you have ideas? I have some, but I'm not gonna articulate them now because 90% <laughs> of them are bad. <laughs> All right, we have another call. So pop on those headphones. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Uh, yes, hi. Um, I've been listening to this call for about 45 minutes, and I have a couple of questions and responses. Ooh, can you step away from your radio or something like that? We're getting some feedback. So, um, can you hear me better now? Ooh, not particularly. You're very quiet, and then there's a lot okay, of feedback. Much better. Okay. Um, so one of the gentlemen talked about being um, flooded with too many emails and sending out too much information and too many questions about what's going on on Diamond Ridge and whatnot. So as a part-town owner of land here in um, San Miguel County, uh, I feel completely like this was pushed down our throats 
the Diamond Ridge situation. And as bad as that was, I turn around and to pull a building permit, I'm now going to have to spend another almost $300,000 to build our home. And nobody asked the public about that. That was just outrageously egregious. And all of a sudden, it's, it's done. We find out about it when it's already done. And if you think that that's going to help the community, people are just going to leave and do build their houses elsewhere. Your restaurants are not going to thrive the way they're supposed to. Your, your employees that you want to put up in Diamond Ridge, they're not going to have all these places to work. I mean, it's just been outrageous the way this has been handled. The public doesn't know. If they think that so many people are like in, you know, too many emails have been sent out and people knew about this ahead of time. I'm so sorry, but that is not the case. People did not know about this ahead of time. Thanks for your you know, call. You all are making this. Is anybody from the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners on this call? We have a representative of one of our assistant managers for San Miguel County. Thanks for your I call. Think Do they have a response to this on the way they've behaved and what they're doing to people that want to build outside of town of Telluride and outside of Mountain Village, whether it's Elk Run or Aldosoro or whatever, all of a sudden I have to spend another almost quarter of a million dollars to build my house because of what you just decided? Thanks for your call. We'll have them answer. One moment. I'd be happy to respond. I believe the uh, caller is referring to the recently passed um, modification to the county's housing mitigation payments program. Uh, this was something that was studied and looked at for, again, at least six months, perhaps closer to the year, to a year by our planning department. Increased our mitigation percentages uh, in a tiered fashion, but it was substantial increases from 15% on residential properties um, up to possibly 90%, um, depending on the size of the home, bringing it closer into parity with the type of housing mitigation um, that the town of Telluride has and that the Mountain Village has been exploring. Um, I believe that's what the caller was referring to. Um, it was a public process that has been um, in the ether for the last six, nine months, um, but again, that doesn't mean that we can't do more to make sure that uh, constituents are aware of what their government's doing. We are nearing the end of our hour, which is a little bit mind-boggling because it goes by so quickly. Um, obviously, we've talked a lot about housing either directly or indirectly and kind of what the, the role of um, government and how y'all work within that system is. I would love to hear from y'all, you know, we do know that housing is such a huge topic of discussion for our communities, justifiably so. Um, but what are some of the things that either y'all are working on or you would like to work on in your roles that you don't think gets enough airtime or doesn't, you know, kind of maybe get the the big emotions that um, some of our other issues do? I'll start with a, a quick one. This is Scott. And, um, you know, within the uh, town of Telluride, we just adopted a climate action plan um, that uh, I know our, our friends in the county and, and Mountain Village also have uh, really great versions of, but that's, um, it is a little bit of a surprise to me that that is uh, not currently as much of the conversation, but it, 
you know, there was a lot of public process behind that last year, but there's some really big initiatives in there um, in regards to uh, finding carbon neutrality in this uh, valley, um, really uh, important uh, initiatives related to uh, water quality, wildlife uh, protection, um, and uh, everything in between. Um, that's a really exciting one that we're going to be putting a lot of time, effort, and hopefully a uh, significant budget into this, uh, this coming year. So that needs a lot more airtime, but we'll, we'll make it so soon. I, maybe listeners couldn't hear me, but I chuckled a little bit when Scott said that because the thing that jumped to my mind was our environmental efforts, um, the hard work that our sustainability coordinator Lauren Kern has been doing and council has been supporting I think have been really great and I think that deserves more uh, public credit or uh, recognition but beyond that this might seem counterintuitive because people may feel like they are already talking about it but I feel that the gondola needs to be front and center of a lot of conversations because as I noted in our last leadership meeting the time for decision making on that issue is coming sooner rather than later and so i think that we really need to be having a conversation instead of thinking that it's uh down the road because it's really not shout out to uh county public health department you know they've been in the the covid world for the past two years and are you know we had a, a covid vaccination clinic today they are still doing that work but they are also have been able to get back more to the traditional role of public health and helping our most vulnerable populations with uh, you know day-to-day -day care, uh, which has been great. Also, want to shout out our social services department, uh, which uh, recently uh, was award went for and was awarded a substantial grant to fund a state grant to fund um, two be bilingual behavioral health therapist positions, uh, including. The purchase of housing for both of those clinicians and uh, those that is um, a service that is desperately needed in our communities and uh, so happy to say that we'll be able to house a bilingual therapist in Norwood and uh, one in the Lawson Hill area so uh, huge kudos to those folks. And on the Mountain Village's environmental efforts, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the incredible efforts of our green team. The volunteers on that committee have been amazing uh, for many, many years now. And so thank you to them. I would also just note in the spirit of understanding your local government, participating in your local government, we're coming up on the time of year right now where you can attend probably the most critical meetings of the year. And I think they're the meetings that are the least well attended. And those are our budget meetings. And so if you want to understand what's coming up for your town, your county, uh, the, for the region, and you want to see what next year looks like, these are the meetings to attend. And that can give you a preview of what's to come and really gives you an opportunity to say, I don't think that we should be spending money on that next year because that's where some of these discussions are going to be happening. You know, I think that from our callers this evening, walking around town or spending time in the county, you know, there, there can be um, feelings of passion, which are lovely. And, you know, like a recognition that this can be a really hard area to live in for a variety of reasons. We are really remote. Housing is a challenge. Healthcare is hard. Like there's so many things that can make this place despite how amazing and beautiful and wonderful all the things it has to offer that also make it a really potentially challenging place to live sometimes and so you know i would you know when we're in a, a time when maybe kind of the emotions or the the mood is a little bit heightened people are really feeling feels right now um that's scientific term <laughs> um you know 
I guess what I would love to hear what y'all have to say in terms of um, how we can not not combat that because those are good emotions. It's good for people to be engaged and fired up about things that are going on, but um, ways that we can do it in maybe like a productive and healthy manner. I don't know that I have a great answer to this, but I guess I would point out that both Scott and I are new here and we come from a place that's not to be named but starts with a V. <laughs> and I don't think it's a stress to say that most people would want to move there, right? But he and I are both here because this is a truly special place and it's unlike any other place on earth. And we, I think we all need to sometimes take a step back and recognize that, yeah, we have our differences and we have our own views about how this community should evolve and grow. But we should do that with kindness and respect for each other because as amazing as the natural beauty is here, it really is truly the people who make this place special and we need to keep it special in that sense. And so we need to do that with each other in mind. Uh, I'll echo that for sure. Uh, we've, uh, we've all, uh, all of us here in the studio tonight, uh, including the vast majority of this entire community have come here in a very intentional manner and it's been a challenge to find our way here probably and even harder to stay here from a jobs and raising family standpoint and so on um, but we we have that common bond that, that we are in Telluride Colorado and uh, this is um, you know uh, the top one percent of one percent places on the planet to live, I think. I, th I know we all think that. So we, wor we all worked really hard to get here, uh, whether you've been here for 45 years or, or, or three months, and we share that common bond, and, and, and let's, uh, let's try to just continue to find those common bonds in the conversations when we're talking about the hard stuff, housing, environment, uh, fill in the blank. Um, we all worked really hard to be here, so uh, let's stay here because of the community. I just want to say the passion that we've heard tonight is what I love about this community. Um, people here care, and I don't think that's a universal feeling um, in, in anywhere USA. So even when you're disagreeing with folks, that they're in the room, that they are making their voices heard, I think is really beautiful and important and makes us all stronger at the end of the day. Going out my final question in our final moments, um, we're in the middle of summer, heart of summer, halfway through the year. Um, great time to listen to music as we are a radio station. Um, what, <laughs> Paul, I'm going to make you go first since you just said don't do this to you. Um, <laughs> what, either if it's a band, a song, an album, what should people be listening to for the rest of their summer? That's an excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot in here by Nelly. <laughs> sweating. Yeah. That's my answer. He's sweating. Fair enough. You can pick whatever answer you want. <laughs> I'm listening to a lot of um, uh, Swedish bands right now. <laughs> Let's just get real into the niche. Uh, Little Dragon. Just fun uh, summer uh, dance music. Listen, listen to some Little Dragon. All right. I've been listening to a lot of Lake Street Dive lately, and um, they've got a new EP dropping next month, Fun Machine, the sequel. Mm -hmm. Really looking forward to checking that out. Mm -hmm. And now that we've identified my weakness. <laughs> <laughs> hey, become a DJ on Kodo, and, you know, you'll expand your repertoire. Um, 
Listeners, that is all the time we have tonight. I want to thank everybody who called in. I hardly got through any of my questions because y'all called in with um, really wonderful ones that um, speak to, to what you care about. So we thoroughly appreciate you calling in with your questions. Thank you to everyone else who was listening, soaking it all in. Thank you to my guests. We have Paul Weiser, Scott Robson, and James Van Hooser from the town of Mountain Village, the town of Telluride, and San Miguel County. Um, we will be back next week with more um, with more off the record and we're going to have news going on um, between that time so make sure to stay tuned coming up in at 7pm on the dot we have DJ Dev and then it's DJ G at 9pm thank you so much all for tuning into Off the Record and KOTO Telluride Thanks for listening to Off the Record Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas. Oh, you